What a way to start the week. Lots of recruiting news to get into. Alan Griffin, he's switching orange jerseys, joining the Qs. Patrick DePay, he is not. So <laughs> we'll break it all down for you here on Locked on Syracuse, like we do every single weekday. The only daily source for Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Check out the show online at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. We had some cool stuff on Twitter over the weekend as well. A little bit of live tweeting from the... The live stream of the 03 National Championship. That was awesome. That bingo board was a lot of fun as well. You know, so much to talk about, and we right. can't even talk about the live stream. I know. I mean, the head coach of the program we're following announces that the best freshman in college basketball history almost whoa, came to whoa. the team. Those I, are fighting words. I think that's a fair this statement. Corner. His freshman. Oh, who do you, who do you I got? Don't know. Well, I, I was going to say mellow, but. Okay, well, he did win the national title, but let me yeah. just base it off the regular season stats. So anyway, one of the best. The head coach yeah, announces that, mm-hmm. and we had no idea about this potential recruit coming in Kevin Durant, and we can't even talk about that today because two other recruits made crazy news this week in Syracuse land, and you even got Christian Ballou, the quarterback, announced his top four that didn't have Syracuse, and we can't even really talk about that. I mean... We can only get through so much. It's quarantine time, and there's still just so much Syracuse news. Yeah, we, we don't even care about Valu. Well, we, <laughs> it's not even worth our time. Um, and also on top of that, I mean, we're the two least qualified people to talk about this, but Chuck's is reopening, too. Yeah, so that's true. how about that? Um, you and I, I think, are the only two classes of Syracuse. Well, I guess you're a soon-to-be alum. I mean, are you even a are you guys graduating? Are are they making knows, you redo man. senior year, Tim? It's a sore subject. <laughs> let's let's not talk about it. <laughs> but they they're reopening Chucks. We are the only two classes that will never experience Chucks from yeah, the time right. it opened up. That's we are the only crazy. two classes. So I guess we can't really say anything about it other than the fact that hey, you're you're in town for a game. Go check it out. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um but <laughs> so Let's dive into this. Let's start with the good news. Alan Griffin, he goes to Syracuse just moments after that live stream ends, um, which was thought pretty interesting time. It seemed like Beheim was pretty giddy during that yeah, live it stream. He seemed a little more <laughs> into it than than I thought he would be. So Alan Griffin, sharpshooter from Illinois. He he's a New York kid, spent spent a good amount of his time there growing up. And now he's going to Syracuse, a team that was recruiting him a little late in the process after he had already committed to Illinois. But you got to figure the familiarity of everything, probably a big reason why he's picking the orange. Yeah, I think this is a great ad. And I'm glad we're kind of starting with the good news here because the most recent news was to pay last night. And that kind of leaves a sour taste maybe in Syracuse fans' mouths. But this is still a huge ad. And someone that... I think really has a lot of Elijah Hughes in his game. Now, I know that's a a bold claim to make, but that's the type of talent Griffin is, and we'll see if he can get his head on straight. We know he's kind of had some problems. He obviously got suspended from a game, and that's well documented. He didn't get a ton of playing time at Illinois, probably because of some of that stuff, but if he can come in with a hard work ethic and just realize his talent i mean syracuse has had a good history with transfers so i'm very optimistic very bullish in alan griffin even and his skill set coming in because i think he really fits what syracuse needed it's a great ad i think both of you and both you and i are a fan of his skill on the on the floor 
Some of the stuff between the ears may be a little bit suspect, but for the most part, great ad. And I think Matthew Gutierrez had a tweet about the the recent transfers for Syracuse really have been really good, especially yeah. offensively for this team. And you figure Alan Griffin next in line for that. Again, his minutes at Illinois slashed, and they had a, a pretty good freshman class coming in. Playing time, a big reason why you'd imagine he flipped out of Illinois and eventually goes into Syracuse. How things are going to shake out minutes-wise will certainly be interesting, but under 20 minutes per game at Illinois, you'd imagine if he's going to Syracuse, a big reason why would be because he was told there would be minutes to be distributed, and, I mean, when there's minutes to be distributed at Syracuse, it's at least 30. Yeah, you'd think so. I think it's funny, by the way, just going back to that transfer history thing and the success they've had. I love how everyone's bringing up Geno Thorpe because he's yeah. the, the black sheep of that cast of characters. And I think they're saying stuff like eight for nine, except for Geno Thorpe. But that obviously was a short stint. I, I think Griffin. I mean, it doesn't even count, really. Yeah, it was so He quick. didn't even make it to ACC play. Yeah. <laughs> he's mean, not that... even qualified to win ACC all-time bracket player. It was quicker like than Ryan Alexander. Yeah. And yeah. He, just, he walked up and left, too. So anyway, sticking with basketball, I think Griffin is great. And obviously the 42% three-point shooting, I think it was actually 41.6 if you want to get technical at Illinois. He didn't shoot a ton. And his stroke is, it looks technically pretty good, maybe a little bit off-center sometimes with his release. But I do think that's immediately something that is going to translate and something that's huge because you lost Hughes, so you lost playmaking on offense, and you lost three-point shooting. Now the question is, Will Griffin be able to play next season or the year after? If you had asked me this last night, I probably would have been in the camp that this vote is going to get passed. That's why the transfer portal has been so active, and this is going to happen, and he's probably going to play. But John Rothstein tweeted some stuff out today that makes it seem like that might not even take place, this vote that we were sort of waiting on. Yeah, it looks like, according to Rothstein, it looks like this vote is probably, even if it does pass in June, if they end up voting on this in June, which is the plan for now, that it won't take effect until 2021 and the 2022 season. So that's a whole wrinkle in this. And I, I don't know. I think that that's certainly interesting. And I think it's going to take a lot of people by surprise as well. Yeah, it's weird. I was thinking initially when Griffin committed on late that night, it was great. Syracuse won a national title Saturday night and they got one of the top transfer Hang uh, the commits banner. Yep. in the class. Yep. It was, it was a great night to be orange, and then Patrick Tepe kind of spoiled it last night a little bit. But sticking with Griffin, I was thinking immediately after he committed, like maybe this means Braswell is going to transfer because now it's just one more body that could play the wing position. And we'll get into where he fits maybe position-wise in a little bit. But now if he isn't eligible to play in this upcoming year, which could be kind of good because then he could put on some weight maybe and he could get a true offseason to learn the zone it's not rushed when he's learning a new system. And I still think that team that would be his first year where Buddy's a senior, he could really impact, and that could be a really solid team. So there's still pros. You still have them for two years, period. But maybe this means Braswell isn't transferring now. There's just so many variables. Yeah, I think my initial thought when I saw the stuff from Rothstein was, this is a bad thing for Syracuse. But then I started to think about it. I think it's more of a good thing 
for the Orange. Yes, you might take your lumps next season, but guess what? Everyone's going to take their lumps next season because of the abbreviated offseason, if there even is an offseason. Who knows when these kids are going to be back on campus. I think having that full year of practice under his belt is going to be a lot better for him and for the team long term as opposed to, okay, we're going to throw you in, shorten summer. You probably don't know the zone at all, but hey, go out there, kid, and, and give him hell. Yeah. I, I just don't think that's the right approach for him, and I think this is going to be much better for him if he does have to sit out a year. I agree. It's just been such a weird weekend. It's just so tough to digest this news because if we had did a podcast on Saturday night, I probably would have been thinking, hey, based on what we've heard, Tepay is going to come to Syracuse as well, and if Griffin's immediately eligible... This could be a really uh, roster. Yeah, a top yeah. 25 team maybe in the preseason. Like they have gone from NIT to top 25 in the preseason back to tonight. I feel like we're back at square one to pay isn't coming. And now you've got Griffin who might not play next season. So you're looking at next year's roster and it looks the same and it looks like maybe an NIT team again. It's just what a weird 24 hours. Yeah. So much can happen in the news cycle, especially when we're, we're starting to all get quarantine brain and, and thinking Syracuse might be a top 25 team. And then we start to think about it and we're like, hey, this is not a top 25 team right now. So let's just give it a rest until we see him actually take the floor. All right, coming up next, we'll talk about how Alan Griffin really does fit with this Syracuse roster, whether it be in 2021 or if he gets a waiver or if this vote somehow passes and everything's ready to go immediately in 2020. We'll tell you how he fits next. So with Alan Griffin now on the roster, things get a little interesting with what you can do with your lineups. I think we'll start the first half of this segment under the assumption that he can play 2020, and then we'll do the back end on if he's a 2021 guy instead. So in 2020, let's just start. This vote passes or he gets a waiver, whatever. He's suiting up for Orange at the start of the 2020 season, which I kind of highlighted in that last segment. I don't think is best for him, but I digress. Son of a coach, maybe <laughs> he can pick it up a little bit quicker. So with Alan Griffin, I it's you're gonna have to roll with some undersized lineups. I mean, he's six foot five. Maybe you shift Buddy down to to the back end of the zone and you put Griffin up top. But I mean, this is a guy that can start for you right away, at least from a talent perspective. Yeah, see, I think this is where we maybe disagree a little bit because just based on his rebounding numbers, and again, he didn't play that much at Illinois his sophomore year, just 18 minutes per game, but four and a half rebounds in those 18 minutes, you extrapolate that to per 40, which is not a great indication. Well, with Syracuse, as we've talked about, it's a better comparison than most other schools because if you're playing, you're playing, and that's 11 rebounds per 40 minutes. So you're actually getting an uptick in the rebounding category compared to Hughes, who was, as we've talked about, a very good rebounder for his size last year. And Hughes was 6'6", Griffin 6'5". They're both pretty rangy, pretty athletic. Now, Griffin is definitely more slender. He's about 20 pounds less, but you'd hope, and I know we're talking about 2020 here, and that gives him less time to put on some weight, but if we're playing the 2021 card, I think he could really be a forward down the road. And I, I don't know, I mean... I see why it's it's a negative to have a 6'5 forward, but I feel like he almost fits better at the forward spot than Buddy just because of the rebounding stuff. That's true, and yes, if those re rebounding numbers continue to, to be the way that they are, but 
for me too, I, I got to think about it from a th this perspective as well. Okay, rebounding out of man, a little bit different than rebounding out of zone. So you got to wonder how circumstantially things played out. So it could change up a little bit in that regard as yeah. well. So that's why I'm a little wary to get way too into anyone. And this is not just Griffin. This is anybody that transfers into the program. Way too wary to get into someone's steal numbers or their block numbers or their rebounding numbers just because everything's a little bit different in the zone. Yeah, I think... I'm confident that he comes in and whenever his first year is, he's going to be asked to play the wing part of the zone, the forward part of the zone, just because why did Bay? how did Bayheim convince him to come here it was probably partially because of playing time. So he probably envisions him a talent like that. You just want to get him on the floor and Hughes leaves. So that's an area in the starting lineup where you have a hole. And now it might not be next year that he is able to play, but you're thinking about filling that hole, that playmaking forward type of role, because you already have the backcourt locked up. So if he's coming here, I think he's playing 30 minutes a game whenever he starts. Right. And Beheim told him that. And I don't see him fitting into the backcourt with Gerard and Beheim at 30 minutes a game. Now, maybe they do that thing, as you said, where they put Beheim to the forward spot, because we did see a little bit of that. But I just think Griffin, especially be when Elijah suited. was out too. Yeah, when, when Elijah got hurt against NC State and, and against Miami, we saw a little bit of Buddy at, at the three spot. Yeah, and I think he does give you another sort of ball handler. But to me, he's not like going to be bringing the ball up the court. He's right. more of occasionally late in the shot clock. You can turn to him as a playmaker. I guess Hughes brought it up some this year, so you could see it a little bit, but I don't know. I, I see him as a forward. I think he also could fit in as the guard, but that's not what Syracuse needs, so I think they're going to try and make him a forward, whether it's in his first season, hopefully he adds a little bit of weight, and he really, I think, could fill into a Hughes type of role. I, I do see a lot of Elijah Hughes in his game. Yeah, I and I stand by this sort of perspective, too. Like, yeah, it's great that Alan Griffin's here, but no matter really who, especially this late in the process, no matter who Syracuse brings in, whether it was Tepay or Griffin or anyone else, really, the biggest move of the offseason was one you couldn't control, and that was losing Elijah Hughes. Sure. So you're playing from behind to start your entire offseason. And again, Syracuse is obviously not alone in that. Most teams do play from behind to start their off seasons. I mean, Notre Dame, they're losing John Mooney. That's a huge loss. Uh, North Carolina, they're losing Cole Anthony. They're losing their best player, but they've retooled and have seemingly filled in the the parts that they've lost. So, I mean, Duke does it every single year. So yeah, we'll see how Syracuse kind of responds with that. As for 2021, really you'd expect a lot of this roster to, to not turn over much, especially at the those first four spots. Now, the center position and maybe even power forward is where things get a little dicey when Sadibe's gone, Dolajai's gone, and you're going to have to start to figure out the center position. But I don't think this really impacts Griffin. If anything, if he comes in 2021, he'll probably have a, just a better understanding of the way the team functions and the the defense and everything that goes along with that. I think he starts 
for sure in 2021 when he comes because then Dolajai is gone and he fills into a forward spot along with Gary A, assuming Gary A is obviously still on the roster then. I also think I'd probably start him in 2020. And I know that's kind of tough because I really like Quincy too, and I think he has a ton of upside. But just from the standpoint of talent and scoring upside, Alan Griffin is one of the best guys you've got now. Like We've talked about how Buddy is a great number two. Griffin has the potential to become an Elijah Hughes type of transfer down the road. Remember, Hughes was not that heralded out of VCU. Everyone that is numbers were way down. Yeah, totally. And his shooting got way better. Everyone that we've talked to or everyone that has followed Griffin says talent. That's one of the first words that comes out of their mouth. So if Syracuse can harness that, he's a starter. You're talking about a roster that doesn't have an ESPN 100 player out of Kadari Richmond now. And Griffin wasn't either because he was kind of a late bloomer of sorts. But to me, he's a type of talent that Syracuse has few and far between. I'd say Gary A is in that caliber. He would have been ESPN 100, but geography was against him coming from Canada. So maybe try and work in Gary A to the starting lineup as well. And that puts Dolja as the sixth man. But obviously there's a lot of hypotheticals here. I just think you get him on the floor for 30, 35 minutes because he's a talent you don't really have much of. Yeah, You've got a lot of brains out there on the floor as well. I mean, think about that, too. Between, I mean, you've got the son of a Hall of Fame coach and a national champion in Buddy Bayheim. you got the son of an NBA champion as a, an assistant coach with the Raptors in Alan Griffin. His father, Adrian, is an assistant on yeah. that bench last season. Then you got Joe Girard, who is a quarterback and could have played D1 at the quarterback position, instead chose to play basketball. So you've got that sort of leadership on your team. I mean, you've got a lot of things going for you, at least from a mental perspective and in terms of camaraderie out there on the floor. But now you got to put it together and put the skills together. And the the summer that we're exper- or we're about to experience right now I think will be a hindrance on development, but maybe that whole factor of you've got all these coaches' sons, they can kind of whip it together a little bit quicker. Maybe that helps this team out a little bit. Yeah. Bottom line is this is a great ad for sure, and it's a talented player that they're bringing into the fold for two seasons. So a lot to be excited about in his case. Yeah, Someone they did not bring in, Patrick Tapay. We'll tell you what, we're kind of taken away from that. And could there be someone else that they will try to fill a scholarship with? That's next. So Patrick Tepay seemed like he had his plane tickets booked up for Syracuse for a little bit there. In that buffer period, we saw a couple of tweets come out. Seemed like a lot of optimism towards him going to Syracuse after he had decommitted from Duke. Instead... He says, no, nah, I'm just going to hang it back here in the great state of North Carolina. I will go and spend my grad season with Coach K and the Duke Blue Devils. What a tease. Just a, I mean, th- this is the ACC gods getting back at Syracuse, right? After soiling their their greatest ACC player of all time poll, and now <laughs> this is what they do. They, they get back at him by teasing him with a guy who could really change their front court in the 2020 season, and then they just rip him away. I just don't get it. Like, what happened here? I, I, we need a 30 for 30 deep dive on Patrick Tepay in the first weekend in April and what was going through his mind and what phone calls were received and 
Was yeah, he actually close to this. Syracuse? Yeah. We need to really dive deep and do a documentary on this because, I mean, I guess the logical assumption is Coach K just dropped a bigger bag here. He he got a little worried he was leaving and, and came in with a better offer, a stronger offer. I don't know. I mean, this is... All a Will Wade. Yes, exactly. This is a, a completely puzzling thing from someone who's from an Ivy League school. I, I thought he would... I don't know. I'm just surprised by this whole thing. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. St- I mean, decommitting is the equivalent of entering the transfer portal and posting. And posting on Instagram or Twitter saying, so long, uh, best of luck moving forward. But then he goes back. I mean, do we have a hole in our whole theory about the the fact <laughs> of posting i mean i guess he didn't technically po- does he even have social media no I, that's I the know. thing he's he's not <laughs> that's why on he's social so hard media. to track yeah yeah he's he's an odd cat i guess but you're like i haven't seen anyone recently decommit than recommit i mean even just seeing the vernacular patrick to recommitted i was like man that's so bizarre like you just never see that let alone in freaking what 48 hours a little more i guess but it felt like i mean it was two or three days from him decommitting to i think he decommitted on thursday and then he commits back on sunday and in that time we thought syracuse was going to flip him based on all these reports so it's it's a huge tease at the end of the day and as i said earlier they're just back to being an nit team somehow i mean this is syracuse fandom it's such a roller coaster it's yeah i mean the Syracuse fans too. I think they were giving it to Duke fans a, a little bit too much. And I guess I guess we're in that crowd too. We we were giving it to Duke fans a little bit yeah. on Twitter too. They they weren't <laughs> too doesn't? happy with us at the end of the day. But hey, it, it's Duke against the world. They they want to take that mentality. So be it. It comes back to bite Cuse fans in the butt. But hey, is what it is. There's more centers out there. And guess what? The the number of centers out there is only going to continue to grow too. Yeah. So, I. I'm not going to say I'm I'm I'd be upset or I'm not upset as a Cuse fan that a guy like Tapay isn't going to Syracuse because yes, he could have made an impact, but at the end of the day, you were getting one season out of him. And if this rule where the sit one is still going to be a factor for next season and say you don't get Alan Griffin, then I almost don't want to pay as much. I'd rather have a guy who's developmental because then you're sitting there with what five centers on your roster. Yeah, it's I, a lot. Like, what does that do for you? That doesn't. And you know, Sadibe, you're, you're gonna get rid of two of them at the end of the year anyway. So even if you do build a little momentum once the puzzle pieces start to fit together, it's all gonna be gone for the the 2021 season. Yeah, I mean, and I, I guess the. Argument... I don't want this to sound like the the Syracuse fan making excuses, but right. at the end of the day. Why why get to pay for a season when maybe you can have Josh Joshua Morgan for three? Yeah, that's fair. I just think to pay is a different type of breed at the center position than what we've seen in the past, and then Joshua Morgan. He like he has yeah. some weight on him. He's someone that I do think is gonna be a good player at Duke. Now, I don't know if Duke's the best fit for him playing time wise, but clearly he's thought about that a lot and rethought about it a lot has he like has he thought about that <laughs> well, a lot i mean it was a I mean, crazy said two he, days we're feels like reports. he commits after two days of of being in yeah. contact with them 
I don't know, man. The quarantine's getting to us all, I guess, because he clearly had second thoughts. And yeah, then hasn't went he back. spent enough time in North Carolina? Doesn't he want to go see things now? Like, come seriously, on. come on, Patrick, what's going on? Yeah, here? have you seen the Finger Lakes, man? They're great. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I I think he's he. It's tough because I do think he could have been a double digit scorer at the center position. Yeah, and you haven't had that since Raheem Christmas, so that does hurt. And he's the guy you were after for a while, and it's another example of Duke swooping in late. But I will say, if you're of the camp that Syracuse is having a tough recruiting stretch, let me remind you, Alan Griffin, for what they needed, what they wanted, was about as good as you could get in this transfer market. He is literally, on ESPN, one of the highest-rated transfers. A super talent for two seasons. Super might be a little extreme, but he's a talent for two seasons. And Dior Johnson committed what, like, six weeks ago now i mean that was a five-star recruit and i know he's a little ways off here but duke is going to take recruits from everyone you got duped this is what happened it stinks i know because it was a tease here but syracuse is still doing well recruiting wise relatively speaking in the last six seven weeks there's nothing to be too upset about thinking you you bring up dior johnson right there and i'm just trying to think about how long the last three weeks have been how long is it going to take to get to 2022? Oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to even He's not coming, is he? Like yeah. is 2022 even going to happen? Like no. is that is that what we're thinking right now? Dude, All it's, right. it's I think it's only going to get worse here in April somehow and I thought March was terrible obviously. So, everyone stay safe seriously on a on yeah. a serious note here as we wrap things up. Yeah. All right, so wash your hands, and hey, do your part, okay? We want to see basketball. We want to see football in the fall, so do your part. Heck, I want to see baseball. I don't care when baseball comes. I know Syracuse doesn't have baseball. I still want to see it at some point, so wash your hands, stay inside, do your part. Thanks so much for listening. For Tim, I'm Tyler. Check out the Locked On ACC podcast after you're done with this one. We've got... We're going to go inside the live stream from yesterday. Yeah, that was Or from this past weekend, because that was a lot of fun. A lot of some unsung heroes in that as well. I mean, Craig Forth was electric. Hmm. Uh, Troy Weaver. Mello entered the chat and everyone lost their minds. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's episode. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.